0: I'm Willow Aster, and today on Living in the Pages, I speak with New York Times bestselling author Brynn Greenwood. She wouldn't sing with me, but I loved her anyway, especially her unusual approach to writing, including the awkward sex scenes. Stay tuned.
1: Hello? Hello? Hi. Hi, this is Bryn. Hi, Bryn. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. My dogs are here to make sure that there will be a disturbance. My so. dog is wow. here as
0: well, and if he hears <laughs> your dog, he might he might talk back. Perfect. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining me this morning. I think we're actually on the same time zone. Right. That's rare. <laughs> yeah, I know. Are you
1: still in Kansas? I am. Mm-hmm. Have you always lived there? Uh no. No, I was raised here as a child, but uh, then I moved away as an adult for about ten years. Okay, um, and came back. How does it feel being back? I love Kansas. That's why I came back. Good. I'm not really a fan of the government, but uh, I love the state. So. <laughs> well, what does a normal day look like for you? I don't really have any normal day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't really have a very good routine. Yeah. I just recently uh, left my day job. Ooh. So that means that. Uh, I'm still sort of figuring out what my normal routine is. My my used to normal routine was put in eight hours at my day job, mm-hmm. come home, walk dogs, eat dinner, write for four or five hours, fall into bed exhausted, get up, repeat. Crazy busy. So so now I'm sort of trying to figure out what to do with the little extra time that I have every day. Is
0: this to do full-time writing or yeah, is it temporary? Yeah.
1: No, no. it's uh. I hope it's permanent. That's exciting. It is. It's exciting and terrifying because, you know, it's that thing where – you know, I've had a job since I was eight years old, yeah. um, and so suddenly not having a place that I go to every day and get a paycheck from is a little strange.
0: Man, eight years old. That's so young. What did you do
1: at eight <laughs> years old? <laughs> you know, child labor laws began. <laughs> um, uh, my my parents got a job doing custodial work at a church, uh-huh. and so, of course, they made us help, and then, of course, by the time I was about mm, 14, my parents Next oldest sister and I, who was 15 at the time, we pretty much took it over completely. Wow! So it went from being like maybe as a kid, maybe 10 to 15 hours a week, to being more like 30 hours a week. Is this how you knew
0: so much about the inside church life? As an adult,
1: I also worked as a church secretary for about three years.
0: Okay, because Lyle <laughs> Lane, I was like, this girl has to know her church stuff because that is yes. so inside. <laughs> yes, I, I
1: have been. Very thoroughly checked in my
0: life. <laughs> I love your boxer and sphinx pictures. Oh. I'm kind of obsessed with them. how How many do
1: you have? I have
0: I have two boxers and two sphinx cats. I thought so, but I wasn't for sure with the cats. They're all girls oh. for whatever reason. <laughs> Do they all get along?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> of course. <laughs> my life would be a lot easier if they all got along. But I mean, the cats are so spoiled and so old and grumpy. They have their own room. Wow. They have a sunroom. Oh, my god. That's how spoiled and old and grumpy they are.
0: The look of rage, I think, on one recent picture <laughs> I saw is
1: so funny. Well, and you know, sphinx always look a little grumpy. It's just, you know, it's just the way their faces are. But yeah, they're... They're both 18 and they have reached the stage in their life where they're just like, oh, I hate that. I hate that, too. (laughs)
0: Uh, I read all the ugly and wonderful things, I believe, late 2016, early 2017. Uh um, And just was completely enthralled. Your way with words and way of making horrible situations come to life against this beautiful prose. I just, I loved it. That's a huge gift. What inspired this story? (laughs) And who came first in the process?
1: Well, honestly, Kellen came first. And that's only because the thing that started the story Was I was driving uh, through rural Kansas and I saw a guy on a motorcycle going down a dirt road in the middle of a hayfield at sunset. And I was just like, I wonder who he is. Hmm. But like as literally as soon as I saw it and thought it, I also knew in that weird way that your brain does. I was like, there's a little girl hiding in that hayfield. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and so he came first, but not much long after. The The first scene that I wrote of the book was, was where they meet when he wrecks his motorcycle. Mm. And then I sort of had to backtrack from there to figure out who everybody was and what was going on. It's and- so hard to read and write
0: most of the time, all the alternate point of views. But you did that just that was one of my favorite things about it because we would see them one way through one point of view and then completely different and how did you put that together Um, (laughs) it was amazing
1: it's uh it's my obsession I I basically have always sort of been obsessed with looking at how different people view the same thing yeah but I've never liked um you know there's that whole there was briefly that whole trend where writers would show you the same scene yes, um, from different characters' points of view. And I never liked that because I, I, it, feel, it feels really simplistic and it doesn't really do the thing that I want to do, which is like, I want to do a long view mm-hmm. of, of what different situations look like to different characters. And part of that too is um, one of my first writing classes that I took um, was with a professor named Ben Nyberg, who has a great book that I can't think of the name of off the top of my head. That's essentially... The method he used to use is he would get students to tell him a story about something really important in their life that involved someone else. Mm-hmm. And he would get them to write this all down and polish it up. And then he would basically come back to them and say, okay, now I want you to tell me the same story from the other person's point of view. Mm. And people were really deeply betrayed by this process. It was <laughs> it was fascinating to watch because... Because he always had to do the switcheroo before the last day to drop the class. Oh, um, Because yeah. people would drop.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Because um, they had written this story about something shitty their father had done or something horrible their third grade teacher did or mm-hmm. whatever. And then they would be asked to basically turn that character into the main character. And so the final story they wrote for the class the main character was this person who they'd had this big argument or this big incident with. Wow. (laughs) That's great. You just did that throughout the book, didn't you? I mean, that's just it is that I was, uh, I think I was 17 when I took that class and it did, it just, you know, I write a lot of stuff that's just one character's perspective, but I always still go through the process of, like, looking at how everybody else in the book sees that experience and sees, you know, that character. I do love
0: that it's not just he said, she said. That's got to be time consuming,
1: to say the least. It is. I mean, the original draft of All the Ugly and Wonderful Things was somewhere around 300,000 words. Wow. Wow. Um, that I had to shave down to 120,000. And that's because to get that experience, you know, it's nice. I will write the same scene from different characters' points of view to figure out, mm-hmm. okay, well, which character do I want to tell this mm. scene? And so it wastes a lot of time and <laughs> energy. But, well, I mean... But it's my process. I used to really feel like I needed to learn to be a more efficient writer, but then I finally was like, well, you know, my process seems to work. So Yeah, I don't think
0: it it's a waste. I think it's working... Have you gotten a lot of negative backlash about the
1: age difference, or has <laughs> have they been gentle with you for the most part? Oh, oh, no. You know, the good news is two years on since the book released, the hate mail has mostly tapered off. Whew. I still get the occasional person who just recently heard about the book mm-hmm. and decides to send me hate mail, but but the really passionate stuff has tapered off okay. because, you know, they've got other stuff to be outraged about. And, and it's hard for me to sort of, I can't take any of it seriously mm-hmm. um, because the reality is, you know, yes, of course, the relationship is problematic. No, that is not what we would hope for anybody. Right. But also having sort of been in that situation, I know that there are many instances where a situation like that is better than the alternatives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I really, I feel like, you know, my experience as a very young person dating someone a lot older was really positive, um, was very um, reaffirming and it uh, was good for my self-esteem and also really good for my negotiating tactics mm. <laughs> because, you know, later, you know, when I went to college and I met, you know, all these, I was, you know, very sort of, sequestered child when I was younger Um, and I met all these people and boy the sheer number of women I met who their first sexual experience was more or less date rape because they were dating the guy and he just finally wore them down or pressured them into it or got them drunk enough and Mm I was like wow how depressing you know and yeah you know there's no protection from a guy your own age (laughs) it's it's not it's not like this magic thing or like magically when you hit the age in Kansas the age of consent is 16 and you know as soon as I was 16 you know the list of guys who basically thought that I was automatically going to have sex with them was enormous you know they're like well you're old enough now Um, and so I look back on those couple of years where I was with someone who was a lot older who had a real respect for me and the decisions I was making Mm -hmm. um, about myself it really prepared me for, <laughs> wow. for how ugly the world was going to be later.
0: So how much of your real life experiences find their way in the
1: books? It's inevitable. I mean, I don't, I don't know any writer who isn't, you know, surreptitiously absorbing the stories and the attitudes and the behaviors. Okay. So just as a very small example, so in Lila Lane, remember the, the friend, who's the smoker who drinks martinis. Yep. I had a friend that, and the only part of her that made it into the book was the hands, the Barbie hands. <laughs> I had a good friend when I lived in Florida who had Barbie hands. It's like her hands were always perfectly manicured and she, they were always like in the perfect shape to hold a cigarette in one hand and uh-huh. a martini glass in the other. And she literally, <laughs> while she was doing other things like, like starting her car or filling out a deposit slip in the bank drive. she still, she had like a hard time holding the pin because it was like her hands were literally (laughs) molded in that shape. And that stuck with me for so long that of course that went in the book. I just, you know, um, so even tiny things uh, follow through and, and end up in stories. I love the things you observe because not many people would observe Barbie hands and come away with that. <laughs> it was really brilliant. I sometimes just miss seeing her just because yeah. I think, oh, she had this great Barbie hands. Her hands hand. are so interesting. It's really wonderful. <laughs> but yeah, in that way, everything becomes fodder for a book, whether it's something really serious like my, you know, Reckless Dating Habits or something small like that.
0: With Lila Lane, it I loved that one too. I've read it more recently and it was it Jennifer the way she would go back to is it Lila Lane
1: <laughs> at the worst times? Right? Like the thing that trips um, you up that you're like, Oh shit, I don't remember that. Yeah. Crack me up. <laughs> that was a great book too. You know, and that's one of those cases where we talk about inefficient. Um, yeah, I originally thought I was writing four different novels. Oh wow. I worked on stuff like simultaneously. Like I I'm rarely working on just one thing at a time. Hmm. And so for several years, I thought I was working on four different novels. And then I don't even remember what happened, but suddenly one day I realized, Oh, (laughs) this is all interconnected. And I was like, they know each other. I was like, no wonder none of this has worked until now. These three characters know each other. And so once I saw that, I was like ahead of the game. I was like halfway done with the book then because suddenly I understood that this was all the same book. I read somewhere that you will always
0: write awkward sex. <laughs> that cracked me up. I feel
1: like I've ever successfully written any kind of sex with any characters that wasn't awkward. I just, <laughs> and I think it's because I feel like, you know, A lot of, I always get freaked out when people are like, oh, I don't read books with sex scenes. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. so do you not have sex? (laughs) Do you not know what it is? (laughs) I I mean, you know, if people are asexual, that's fine. And they don't want to read books with sex. And it's great. But people who like have sex and have sex lives who don't want to read sex, I'm like, well, but but that's how you find out about people. Mm -hmm. I mean, you learn amazing things about other people the way sex happens with them. So I always feel like that's what's happening. Is I'm like, oh, I'm learning. I'm discovering about characters that way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's
0: true. With your scenes, for sure. With some, I'm not sure (laughs) you're learning very much. uh, But
1: uh, the way you do it, yes. As a reader, I'm not really into like super romantic, successful sex scenes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> because i'm like i don't and this is why as a moviegoer i sort of dread sexing because like nine times out of ten they're like oh it's very you know they like the vaseline lens yeah. and everybody looks perfect mm-hmm. and oh it's wonderful and and i'm like yeah but that doesn't really tell yeah. me anything
0: <laughs> i i like the way your mind works so much yes i've noticed we have a mutual love for how do
1: you even say it flu Shoes. Oh, Fluva. Are you obsessed? God, I have got to unsubscribe from their newsletter because I swear every time it's in the newsletter, I'm like, Oh, it's another pair of shoes I want. I don't have any yet. I just drool <sighs> over them. Well, basically, I use the release of all the Ugly and Wonderful Things as my excuse to buy my first pair. Nice. And then I used it as my excuse to buy my second pair. And then <laughs> I... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you, kinda... you know, the worst part is, you know, on your taxes, you can't deduct, you know, shoes and clothing if you can wear them for anything but work. And unfortunately, yeah. I do wear them elsewhere. but. <laughs>
0: I was very excited that you got some. (laughs) It's like you're living my dream right now. Right. I got more than I should have,
1: honestly, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I wear them, so I tell myself that makes it okay.
0: So we do a fast five where I ask you questions and you answer off the top of your head. Okay. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Favorite meal to either make or pick up? Sushi. But only mm. to pick up, <laughs> yeah. Beverage while writing, either
1: iced tea or something with bourbon in it. Mm. Last song you heard <laughs> in my head or in real life? <laughs> either in your head, I guess. <laughs> it was. Pr- it's probably the same thing. It's probably the same awful. Um, uh, my Heart is in Havana, because I'm sure it was on the uh. radio. And then like, you know, how some, you're like, oh, you wake up and you still hear the song. You're like, yes. Jesus, it's been like 12 hours since I heard that song. <laughs> Curse
0: you, girl uh-huh. whose name I don't
1: know in your song.
0: If you could travel back in time, what time period would you go to? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I, I don't think I would. Would you go forward?
1: Uh, no, I don't think I would do either okay. one. Who is your <laughs> celebrity crush? Right now, it is Feng Feng who's a Chinese actor who's basically, he has the most beautiful eyes and he's really good at crying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, I keep pitching this to everybody. It's this Chinese TV show from about two years ago called Ice Fantasy. Okay. Oh my God, I live for that. But then basically once I watched it, now I'm in pursuit of literally everything that Feng Shaofeng has ever been in.
0: Oh, I have to look him up. Can you tell us
1: anything about what you're working on now? I have this, what I refer to as a big-ass fantasy novel. But it's really like at this stage, it's 17 novels. Oh, my word. (laughs) It's going to be 700,000 words. (laughs) It's massive. I've only finished four of the novels, but there are at least 13 more that I know of. Oh, my word. And so... And I don't that's know what awesome. I'll do with them except that I really love them. And so I just keep working. It's this whole massive fantasy world. And, and the novels themselves take place over the span of about 2,000 years oh my goodness. in the same world. That's huge. So, yeah. that's. What are you ever going to release
0: them <laughs> yourself or are you going to shop them? I have no idea what I'll do with them. I yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Right now, they're just like my private fun project. It
0: sounds so fun <laughs> if you've got that many it, it in your is. mind. Oh, man. I want to read it. How do you organize all of that in your head or in your, in your notebooks or Scrivener
1: or what do you I primarily use an Excel spreadsheet. And usually that's true of every book. Um, Like once I've written usually 50, 60,000 words on anything, it's an Excel spreadsheet. Um, And like all the ugly and wonderful things, I have a massive spreadsheet because of course there's so many characters. It Mm -hmm. takes place over the course of 15 years. Um, (laughs) So I have to know like, how old is any given character at any given scene? And, Mm -hmm. you know, so it becomes this massive Excel spreadsheet that allows me to track, you know, what happens in any given calendar year, how old each character is, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, And so I do something similar to that for this massive fantasy series. (laughs) I can't imagine over
0: 2000 years. That's amazing. Right.
1: Over 2000 years and about 14 different countries.
0: So, (laughs) Oh my word. You have
1: to release this
0: somehow. Don't just hide it. You know, it, it may
1: be posthumous because it, it may I, it may not be done until I'm really old and about to die. So I don't know.
0: You don't want to release them one at a time, or do you want to finish it all? And um, then- I feel
1: like they're all so interconnected that I feel like. I want to wait because, you know, like right now I write things and I look back at the first book and I'm like, oh, you know, it'd be really cool if I went back and planted a little seed for that in the first book or. And so, yeah, the thought of like releasing one and then wishing I could change it later. Nah. Well, I hope I'm alive when you release that. (laughs) (laughs) Are there any books you're reading right now that you are loving? Um, If you want like a good slow sort of cry fest i always recommend if you haven't read whiskey and ribbons mm -mm. by lisa cross smith
0: lisa cross smith okay (laughs) any future signings in say minnesota where i
1: live um i got nothing scheduled and that's part of because you know everything's been wrapped up for all the ugly and wonderful things and the Mm -hmm. new book untitled (laughs) (laughs) i yeah i don't know when they're releasing it and i don't know what promotional plans they have for it so i don't know i will be watching because i would love to meet you sometime well i'm sure that if you follow me at all on social media when the book finally does you know get announced you'll hear all about it okay well i think it's time for us to sing a song (laughs) (laughs) you know it's... Any singing that's going to be done is just you. Is going to have to be you by yourself. Oh, uh, come of, on. No, all <laughs> of my churching has made me really, really negative about singing. Has it? It really has. I don't sing at all. Because of church? Yes, because being made to sing over and over and over oh. again in church, it's awful. Oh, man. See? I still haven't oh, recovered hallelujah. from that experience. Hallelujah. <laughs> 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 right? Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 oh, <laughs> Do you have any favorite ways to ring in the new year? (laughs) Usually it involves drinking, yeah. Bourbon? Uh, Often, sometimes champagne. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sometimes I go to concerts. Sometimes I do just stay home on the couch with the dogs, though, and they're not really into partying very much. Well, thank you so
0: much for talking to me today, and I'm really excited for your new change where you can write full-time.
1: Thank you for inviting me and I'm sorry I wouldn't sing with you just that way. It's okay.
0: I love you anyway.
1: (laughs) Okay, thank you.
0: (laughs) And I look forward to seeing what comes out next, untitled or titled. It'll be something crazy. I guarantee that much. (laughs) All right. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Everyone help me convince her she has to release those fantasy books. Please, 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 because I need them in my life. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share, share, share.